Mother Earth is psychedelic. Her body is covered with psychoactive, sacred medicine. Can psychedelics help us become more conscious and loving parents, partners, lovers, and leaders? Welcome to the Psychedelic Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Carlin, the Psychedelic Mom, a mother and entrepreneur partnering with Mother Earth's sacred plant medicines to heal, awaken, and learn to live in alignment to my truth. Psychedelic literally means soul revealing. What reveals the soul to oneself is psychedelic. I invite you to join me in deep conversations with leaders, healers, seekers, and other parents. I will share my journey, the wisdom, practices, medicines, and mistakes that have changed my life, and personal stories of others on this wild path. We are the medicine needed to birth the more beautiful world we know is possible. Welcome to the Psychedelic Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Carlin, and I am so excited to see you, Roger and Antonia, today. How are you? Good. Wonderful. So happy to be here with you, Michaela. Yeah, it's so good to see you. So I'm here today with Antonia Venoro and Roger Venoro. I did Antonia's program about a year and a half ago, two years ago, that was one of the deepest dives I've actually ever done in my life. Antonia, you were an amazing teacher. It was such a deep dive into who I am, the patterns that have created me in my life, and how those play out in the world. What I love about your work is that you've moved toward working with couples and this idea that we actually heal in relationship. So much of our Western culture is like about taking the individual out and working individually and then coming back into the couple dynamic or the family dynamic, and it seems so limiting. So it's so nice to hear about your Foundations of Thriving program. So patterns, why are they so important to know the patterns of our lives? And why is it so important to know that for our soul's blueprint? I always like a way of describing this that's kind of why did the movie Groundhog's Day resonate so much with so many people? And, you know, it was my favorite movie for, maybe it still is, because that repeating day after day until you learn the lesson, that experience is something that we're all experiencing deep down, is that we're repeating something over and over until we learn what we're, what is at the core of us. So we also have another sort of metaphor that helps people to kind of relate with the patterns. Like a projector. It's something that we're looking through. And as we look through the projector, we're projecting some of the deepest experiences that we have in the first seven years of our life. Some of them that we have words to be able to have memories attached to them and some of them not. You know, it's just an emotional feeling or an emotional blueprint. And so that's another way of looking at it. We're looking through a lens. It's so amazing to like start to feel into that as a human being, to suddenly be aware. I know like Eckhart Tolle at some point called it like the pain body and there's other words for it. When you suddenly start to see that you look through a projector or that you have these patterns and if you're unconscious of them, then you are actually projecting them out into the world and onto others. But this pain body in some ways that we carry around with us until we heal it. And that's what's playing out all the time. And that's why it does seem like Groundhog Day. 
So how are you helping couples? Like what models are you using to help couples identify or end individuals these patterns? For couples specifically, we developed, like it took us a while to really sort out and make something that really takes people on the full journey from identifying it inside of their mentally and then in the body and then being able to transform it and get to a place in their life where they're communicating and connecting at a whole nother level. And so we created a course from that and boiled it down into seven steps. But uh, it's been a journey because we didn't always know about this and it wasn't always relevant to us. It wasn't always something that was on our radar. We were like bumping into this over the course of many, many years, just bumping into walls. And it feels like you don't know why you're ending up in the same conflict or the same issue. And you just bump into things. And in that process, something, it becomes relevant. So we, we would love to share some of our stories of how we kind of, how this even became relevant to us, because it wasn't always something that was like, oh, wow, patterns are so amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, I know, yes, that you are not always obsessed with patterns and figuring out these patterns. So what was it that brought you to this? I guess I'll share first. Um, I mean, we know that we we heal, uh, we, we get reflections of patterns in our deep, intimate relationships, but we also do in medicine space. And for me, I mean, inside of medicine work, we encounter these loops. And inside of those loops are our patterns rooted inside of them. So when we don't know what that is, we keep meeting it over and over again. And so over a decade ago, I went on a medicine tour with a medicine man who came to be known as the Toad Prophet. And during that time, we were doing international travels in Europe and in Mexico. And we were sometimes doing 30 plus sessions a day. And we were moving from place to place. And the only time we had off was just in that moment while we were settling in before we would just jump into the work. So it was a really full on year. And this person's intention was to toad as many people on the planet as possible. And it was not integral, and there was a lot of lack of integration in the work that was being done. And a lot of people were getting hurt. A lot of people were having amazing experiences, but a lot of people were also getting hurt. And so at the end of that year, after a long leg of travel, I was in this roadside motel, and I was looking at myself in the mirror deeply after a shower, and I was just like... I just heard this voice and that you're lost, Antonia, like you are lost. And I looked over at him and he was sitting on the bed and he had his phone in his hand and then he handed me the phone. And there was a message on the phone from a woman who was like a mother figure to both of us who coordinated retreats. And she was like, my heart is broken. I'm so sorry to hear the message, but you're lost, you know? And I was like, "Mm mm-hmm. And, and the relationship had become, the relationship had become unhealthy. And, and it was like in the whole psychedelic realm of things, it's like, there's so much going on. So 
I go back home and I'm in, trying to integrate what just happened over the course of the year. And I began working with uh, Diamond and River, who became my mentors. And they have a program in Mexico in San Miguel de Allende called Living Freedom Total Integration. And um, they're incredible uh, healers. They're a couple. And I was on a retreat with them that my mother was also on. Wow. And on that retreat, we were doing some express and release work on some pillows and I'm letting it rip and I'm like experiencing my core wound. And my mom leaves, you know, I can, I felt her leave before she even left and I opened my eyes and there she was and I can feel myself leave what I was experiencing and I was concerned about what she was experiencing and it had dawned on me in that moment like oh, this is it like this is if I get angry or if I'm having an experience I it'll become about somebody else or it'll you know it'll become outward and so I realized that was the big aha for me like oh this sequence is exactly what is happening that I'm seeing through this lens on life all the time and so I was like, this is it. Like I was really interested and passionate about learning more and going deeper. And at that time I, you know, I wasn't interested in serving medicine or anything like that. That wasn't a part of, of my intention, but I was interested in learning more. And so I delved deeply, lots of trainings and I already had a practice. So I was doing body work and energy work with people. And as I was learning and growing myself inside of these trainings, I was changing and my capacity to even hold space was changing and, and my clients' lives were changing. And it was incredibly profound. And so after that, fast forward a whole bunch of another years, Roger, okay, I- Before you do, can I just ask a question about that moment of being in the room with your mother? So it sounds like you were accessing, was it rage? Was it anger, deep grief? Do you know? It, was, it started out as grief. And the grief then turned into shame, and then the shame then turned into anger. So I was kind of going through how it shows up for me. And I was becoming aware of the sequence that it showed up. And when the anger began, it was just my mom was having her experience about that. She couldn't watch it. And so in that place, is that where you kind of, as you said, you turned to your mother and then almost that protector part comes on, which was that maybe an initial learning of way back that you maybe bypassed what was going on for you to take care of somebody else's emotional needs. So it's like a, an emotional shutdown or we amputate that part of ourself. Is that what you were witnessing in that moment? Exactly. And I also realized that that's what the pattern was happening even in my, even my previous relationship. Like that, it was different person, but it was still different circumstances, but it was the still the same sequence. So going back to that relationship that you had been in and you're traveling the world doing toad medicine, and then suddenly you have that moment of I'm lost. Could you feel during that relationship like this discomfort of abandoning yourself and yet it was just a familiar pattern? Yeah, I can feel the parts of myself that didn't have any, I, I didn't have the space to be able to take a moment to attune to what, who I was and what I was feeling and experiencing. And even during that time, trying to get through to him, and sometimes I did, but there were so many layers 
and things that we didn't know how to contact at that time and how to, you know, so that feeling of, of being lost uh, and him being lost, we had lost track and I, and I lost track of myself, you know, during that time in a deep way. So what happened from there? Yeah, after the dedication to the trainings and all of that deeper transformation and becoming more trauma-informed, Roger comes into my life years later through a series of synchronicities. And through our relationship, we were meeting each other in new ways that neither of us really knew that could even be possible. Like parts of us felt like, could this be possible, you know, of really being able to to meet somebody who has a passion as much as I do for traveling and traversing all these layers of soul as much as, as we both did. So that was like a dream come true. And from there, we started to work inside of these containers together, these explorative containers. And then we would learn things inside of the explorative containers. And then kind of we had, we were just started tracking what it was that we were learning. And as we learned more, we, the course was building itself as we were exploring these things. So um, it had come to be foundations eventually. And it's been incredible of doing that work together in that way, in addition to the one-on-one work that we do as well. Mm -hmm. After we were able to meet each other in ways that we didn't expect and that parts of us never knew were possible, then we also just realized we could share this with others. Other people can experience this as well. And we found a way to make it easier for people, a lot easier than our journeys, to be able to go the whole journey and we like put it into steps and then we shared it with people and it was amazing to see their relationship shift and see how deep this work is. So Roger, how did you get to the point with your bumping up against walls? Like, did you have an aha moment, like whether it was through earth medicine or just life that you're like, whoa, I, I just accessed my shame, my anger, whatever it was, your pattern I think like for a lot of people, maybe the first time they really get a sense of how deep this goes is when they're in an intimate relationship that they're truly all in on. And because that's when you realize, oh my God, I am not seeing so much about myself and so much about my partner. And so I I fell in love at 25 in that way at Burning Man. Uh, which is a cliche for a lot of people. But for me, it was, my heart was all in it. And we fell in love and were skyrocketing into the kind of the terrifying and vulnerable soul opening space of, of total devotion to the relationship. And it was a journey for me of really being humbled and taken down because I had had many, I felt I was more evolved than I was, you know, (laughs) they say you learn how mind you are when you go to hang out with your family. But when you get in a real intimate relationship, you really learn. (laughs) Yeah, it brings everything up. And about three years in, we started to, the miscommunications got to a place where despite our best heart's efforts, they were leading to fights and the fights were leading to scar tissue and the scar tissue was building up. And there just came a day when we were saying goodbye and it was like in the forest and the wind was blowing and we were giving gratitude to each other, but also realizing that everything, despite everything we could do, it was over. 
And after that, I developed a, a saucer-sized rash on my chest, on my heart, and that stayed there for a year. And then afterwards, there's still scar tissue from that. And the, that experience taught me that love is not enough to make a relationship work, that wisdom and skills and communication capabilities, but also there's deeper stuff that we just don't know. So I, I was on a spiritual path before that, and I just continued to dive deeply. And I, you know, because spirituality is also about like, like when we're trying to find our deepest self, uh, our truest self, it's about being out of the parts of us that are limiting and that, that, that hold us back. It's about really recognizing who our essence, what our essence is. And that is also about patterns. And over time, I did many different things, but I went on this eight month retreat solo uh, at an ashram in upstate New York, Ananda Ashram, and three to eight hours of meditation a day. And the main thing I learned from that for eight months was just that even our spiritual practices can be co-opted by the patterns where our deepest feeling of wanting approval, wanting acceptance, wanting to be loved, and we can be running on a treadmill with all these different practices to try to get to that place. And it, But we don't see that it's coming from this deeper story. And then my aha moment was uh, with a teacher, his name is Patrick Connor, and he has an organization called Sharmada. And he was on the phone with me and he said to me, I remember, uh, he said, our core wound is driving the school bus. Our core wound is driving the school bus and it takes us to class every day and it's the same lesson until we learn it. And so he helped me to see my pattern in that call in the same ways that we do now with our one-on-one -on -one work. And he was helping me work with my field and look at my field and see the guilt and the grief and the anger that I wasn't even aware I had. I, I hadn't, I known there were things there, but I didn't know what the shape of them were. And I didn't know how to name them. I didn't know how to admit to myself. And in that moment, I really started to, my laser beam of attention became, this is the deepest limitation on my consciousness for my spiritual path. And this is the deepest limitation for my relationships. And I um, started directing all my focus there and seeing what was holding me back, what was causing all that scar tissue, all these challenges. And this led me to uh, eventually to the bliss of, of being able to connect with Antonia and us being able to really, um, we, we instantly knew that we were, there was a deep, we, we had so much to do together and we could feel ourselves traveling and it was within the first few days, but there was also these core wounds. And so we knew that we were going to be working with those throughout our relationship and we began supporting each other. And then I experienced being met in ways like when I'm retreating and feeling unsafe. And she was able to hold space for that and understand it and make it safe for me to both have space and also be able to request for connection when I felt safe. And there were so many layers of being met in ways that I had never even really believed were possible.
prior to that. And that parts of me were experiencing a freedom, a freedom from being in the basement, being suppressed, being too ugly to show the world. And that was a liberation for me spiritually as well as as emotionally. And after that, I started one-on-one practice and started sharing that with others and seeing amazing transformations and being so grateful to be a part of that. Now, were earth medicines part of your journey? Yeah, they played a big role over the years. It was really also excavator in a way of just showing, oh my goodness, there's so much ancestral, which plays into the patterns. Like it's not just the early seven years, but the seven years are informed by sort of the ancestral. And yeah, the the ayahuasca and peyote and and toad, all of these medicines have been so supportive in being able to recognize, especially as I learned the patterns in tandem, that's when it was like, oh, I didn't just have a bad trip. That was a journey through my pattern and being able to recognize that and not dissociate from it was when it started to, they started to really be synergistic. Before that, I really felt accosted and re-traumatized by some of my journeys. So powerful, both of you. Amazing. Because I think I, you know, I hear a lot of times that we can unconsciously pick the very person that's going to trigger our very wounds to heal, like you're saying, the, the Groundhog Day bumping into the walls, and yet we can rewire our patterning together. We can rewire that brain or neurology, but it has to be very conscious. Otherwise, it just plays out. Okay. So Antonia, when I was at Rainbow Bridges, you were using the five personality patterns. And um, I don't think I was just one. (laughs) I think I was a couple. And so could you talk about how for somebody who doesn't even know, like, oh, what are my patterns? And they haven't experienced an earth medicine yet. I do agree also that in my own experience that earth medicines were really an excavation of all of these things. Um, they were the way in for me to ever see them and things like your, your course, Antonia. But can you talk maybe about the five personality patterns? A lot of people talk about attachment styles and anxious attachment and why, what is the difference and why you tend to use the five personality patterns more? With Rainbow Bridges, initially the like the first part of the the journey of the of the course was around the way in which we get to explore ourselves deeply through experientially tracking ourselves, and it's like what Roger was naming, what you were naming before. It's it's there's so much multidimensionality in our beingness that when we can hold each other in a way of creating a loving place for us to go inward and explore and to to have the places where we didn't receive nourishment be watered we call, we talk about supporting the resistance and that is being able to support what wants to happen. So if there's a resistance that wants to happen, how do we support the resistance and create an experiment or an exploration around what's under that? You know, it's this whole notion of we heal ourselves and where it's creating this relationship 
of the right conditions for that to happen. So going back, just for an example, when you were talking about your experience with your mother leaving, would you have called that kind of stopping what you were doing resistance? For me, in, in my own journey in that moment, I was like noticing and tracking. Like that was me tracking what it was that was happening on on these multiple levels. Like when I feel this feeling and I'm feeling this memory, because I was also having a memory inside of that experience. But it was not only from this lifetime. Yes, it was. But I had a traumatic birth. You know, there's all kinds of dynamics happening in the family. So yes, it's from this this uh, lifetime, but it's also from previous experiences as well. So being able to just become more aware of how it plays out is a big part of it. And then first understanding that and then getting to know the patterns. Because it's like, if we just learn the patterns immediately sometimes, which is what we do with our couples too, like we kind of blend things together so that one informs the other which we find is incredibly illuminating, where people can feel the textures and the shapes and the the sensory experience of what it is that's going on and slow things down enough to be able to track that. So I know that you use the five personality patterns to kind of get people in touch with what their patterns are and where they came from. And I know there's another model out kind of in relational dynamics where people are looking at their attachment styles. And I'm sure you're aware of both. And I'm curious, how does the five personality patterns differ and what actually is it? The five personality patterns was developed like initially by a student of Freud's named Wilhelm Reich back in the early 1900s. And then uh, many people have innovated on it over the years, including Barbara Brennan and uh, Anadea Judith, and they've really synthesized it with so many different things. And then Stephen Kessler came out with a book named The Five Personality Patterns. That's a really good tome of this information. But in relationship to the attachment theory, which is profound, and really a lot of people can connect with that, they instantly start recognizing, oh, I'm an anxious attachment style, I'm a avoidant attachment style, et cetera. And there you can instantly start feeling the pushing and the pulling and all the dynamics that awaken in our relationships. But the difference that makes the five personality patterns so much deeper in my experience is that you begin to relate those relational habits with histories. And the histories are really fleshed out in the five personality patterns. You begin to understand what part of your childhood contributes to you experiencing in this way. And now you're getting into a healing experience. Now you're getting into the capacity to change the blueprint where it was formed. And so the identification is one thing, but when you trace it back to where the cause is, now you're getting into causal medicine. You're getting into the place where you can change your blueprint at the core level. You can change your experience. You can take the real out of the projector and have a new experience. Whoa, that's profound. And the beauty in that is the, the in one informing the other because it's like we have the understanding of what happened and then we also have the feeling of what happened and being able to really trace that and watch how it just kind of the cycle in which it travels. And because of our fear, because of the lens that we're projecting, that we're seeing life through, 
how we prevent ourselves from receiving the nourishment that has been needed. So they both support each other. Yeah. Would it be helpful to talk about maybe like one of your five personality patterns and where it came from and then how you heal that within relationship? Do you want an example from us or do you want an example from somebody we've worked yeah, with? Yeah, I want an example. <laughs> Let's give a live example. Yeah. <laughs> well, my pattern, you know, you you have your, your bread, you have your jam, and you have your butter, you know, so you can have three of them generally, but you have one that's the core that kind of when you're most overwhelmed, you re resort to this way of getting safe. And mine is called the enduring pattern. And basically, it's very similar to the avoidance style, in the sense that there's a pushing away, there's a walling off, and there's a feeling of when I'm in danger, I want to retreat. I want to curl up in a ball where nobody's around and I don't want to. And it's that's my impulse. I didn't understand that impulse for so long. I didn't understand where it came from, what it was that caused it. And tracing it back, I discovered, oh, this was from intrusion from a parent. So people who run this pattern have a parent who didn't honor their space and their boundaries and who basically overrided their own capacity to connect with themselves and made it so that their safety mechanism is to take space. They only feel safe now taking space. So in relationship with Antonia, part of the healing of that is, first of all, me knowing that and her knowing that. This is a huge, just to be with somebody who's safe enough to, to know what you're going through and where it's coming from, and that they are looking at you without judgment. It's not a failure when you're going into pattern. It's a, so it's not compounding on itself. And then the capacity for me to say to her, I'm going into it right now. It's like, I'm so fucking ready to just get everybody out of here and just like run away. And, um, and to be able to have that be understood and to be, have space for it and care for it. And then she's able to nuance through understanding that she's able to have nuance and meet me in new ways, say things that I've never heard in that, that younger part never heard. And to know that, that I'm not doing something wrong, because part of that pattern is you feel guilty over having pushed the person away because your parent didn't understand why, and they are blaming you. And so then there's guilt. And in that experience, because I'm just thinking of my own, just the deep somatics that would come up. I think that's when I knew like, oh, this is a pattern because my... <laughs> My physiology is on fire. So, <laughs> and again, that was something new from earth medicines too, because I had really disembodied. So earth medicines kind of helped me. At one point I was like, why did I do these? <laughs> because it makes everything so intense. Would you say that one of the hallmarks of a personality pattern live is strong somatic experiencing? Yeah. And it, it's like the conversation between Roger's pattern and my pattern, because my, I identify with the comp merge on the top, like the, my, my primary one is a compensated merging pattern, which means that uh, it's like the core feeling of shame and the conversation that's being had is like, you have it, I need it, I'll do it for you. 
So in that conversation, uh, that's my primary. And then I have leave. I, I do the leaving when I'm in stress where it's like, um, I also can be ambivalent in a way where if things get too out of control, I go. And it's hard for me to put words with what it is because it's so young that it, it's like the survival strategy was all the energy just moves up from the feet. It's, it's shock essentially and moves up into the head. And so it becomes something in the mind where you go into the imaginary and you kind of like are here a little but not fully in the body. So having discovered that about myself also, it explained a lot in our dynamics in our relationship because sometimes if I would feel under pressure or if Roger was needing space, then it would be like, oh, what's that feel? I'm feeling or Roger also runs the uh, aggressive, there's something that's called the aggressive pattern that when you go into stress, like, which is like needing to know truth, you know, needing to know. And so sometimes if that was pushing up against like the leaving pattern that happens in me, it's like, and the freeze happens, you know, so we can, but knowing about the patterns, Roger was able to be like, oh, that's what's happening. And it wouldn't be scary for him because he's trying, when you're trying to find somebody, it's like, where did you go? What happened? And it's like, you know, so being able to identify that it's creating this softness in the moment and then knowing, okay, that's what's happening. And if I meet her with more gentleness, then she'll meet me. And I'm able to explain. I can feel my energy kind of starting to go up or I can feel uh, the part of myself that doesn't want to do it wrong. You know, I want to say it right. I want to do it right. You know, I'm able to communicate that and not become it. You know, it's like we bump into these things, but having the language of knowing what the underlying pattern is, we can actually transcend the pattern and move through things very quickly. Do you have like a, maybe a lot, not a live example, but an example of, cause I'm thinking, I was, I'm thinking actually of an exchange my, one of my daughters and I had this weekend and this would have been like perfect for, because sometimes I notice the thing that's happening is not about the thing. For example, like if there's an annoyance, it's not really about the drawer. <laughs> it's about something underlying the drawer, but then you know, there may be a way of communicating that might be aggressive. And then I'm more the leaving pattern that's like, I'm out. So there's, a, I'll use myself as a live example, because it was pretty feisty this here this weekend. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, I'm out, and you were rude, and I'm out. So there you have it. <laughs> so what would you do with that? In what way do you, do you mean how to... In the communication. So I think obviously she went to an aggressive pattern, an attacking pattern. And typically I've been more the tiptoer and don't say anything. And I've gotten a little bit more like, no, I have boundaries. No, sorry. But I can also go like, okay, I'm out. So how do you deal with those kinds of patterns? This is a mother-daughter, but how do you deal with couples that come to you that have this kind of thing? Because again, it sounds like aggressive leaving maybe. Well, I could say one thing. Uh, we have a, a phrase called defusing the bomb. And it's essentially whenever either one of the couple is going to go into a pattern, 
what the most powerful way to diffuse it because it's these are things that get triggered they're automatic we're not in control of them it's these are stored in the body they're like little you know projectors and the projector starts running it's going and so then you're just in an experience and the way to diffuse that experience is to be able to name exactly what's happening for you in the moment and say where it's coming from say the history that it's coming from so it's not about the moment you know and just like you're saying to be able to say i'm feeling terrified right now and it's shocking me that you're coming at me so intensely and a part of me wants to run away but i know that it's a it's a peace offering as well to be able to say that and whichever partner becomes conscious first and we call um, that a peace offering that is like a part of our yeah it's a peace yeah. offering and being able to really speak from the somatic experience and that it's not about you necessarily but whatever's happening in this moment is creating this feeling for me and the quality of our connection matters to me and i wonder if there's something that you might want to share about what's going on with you and if your partner knows what's going on with them and their pattern, it makes it even easier because then they're able to say, oh, you know, that's actually like I said it in that way because I was feeling this. And now you're easily in a terrain where you can start to make requests about what you need in the moment. Like I might need it to be softer. Can you, what are you trying to get? But I just need it softer. And, and they'll understand that, you know, that's the thing when we see that these are histories living with, inside of us, we're, we're living with these things. Now it's time to meet them all with care. That's actually really beautiful. And it sounds like there are steps because it sounds like even you saying there's a peace offering and then there's the ask of the need First, the, the identification of what's going on. So I'd love to know what those are. And also, well, let's do that first. Yeah, I'd love to know kind of what those steps are. This is fascinating. There's something that I just want to tag also is that, I mean, because this could be such a long podcast, but like going through each and every pattern they all have a specific feeling. And, and so we don't have time to go through every single one, but we encourage everybody to read this book, definitely. The Five Personality Patterns by Stephen Kessler. The Five Personality Pattern. And, and consider diving into some work with it. <laughs> yes. So let's just go through the five quickly, though. It's the leaving pattern, again, the merging pattern, the aggressive pattern, the enduring pattern, and... The rigid. The rigid, okay. And people can be a little bit of a jelly, a jelly <laughs> donut <laughs> or bread. And yeah, for, for our course, we take people through seven steps and we, we first help them to uh, de-arm and de-armor. So there's something we call a trash in the living room. And it's kind of this idea that we use our defenses cause us to do things and say things that can be hurtful. And it's important in relationship to feel safe enough before we go into the deeper patterns, because these things are vulnerable. This is our core. This is our essence. We've been defending it in different ways our whole lives. And so the first step is to help people to identify what their defenses are and de-armor and de-weaponize. And to clear up that trash in the living room. And uh, that gets us into then being able to open up the patterns, which is our second step. And talk about trash yeah. in the living room a little bit, explain what that means. 
like for example there's passive and active trash in the living room so some people have a secret kind of method backdoor method you know there's the obvious person who has who has a you know loses control and says things that they didn't want to say but there's other passive ways of creating trash in the living room like stonewalling by not being available and it's just as as destructive to the relationship and oftentimes that person has a sort of blame free card and because we're not considering that that's equally trash in the living room so it's damaging the connection so we help people kind of yeah identify different forms of active like you know one-upping or criticizing or judging and that gets in the way of being able to um, go deeper so whenever someone adds a criticism into the space now you have you can't just go to the real cause now you have to undo the wounding that happened from that experience so, and then the passive, we also help people identify, are you stonewalling? Are you disconnecting without, without saying that you need a break? You kind of make a threatening disconnect where you just disappear and then come back later and you're like, I just needed space, but you didn't say, I'm just gonna take 10 minutes, you know? And that can be damaging because the other person, they, their attachment style may be, or a pattern may be one that they, connection is vital. Right, so for someone who might have like an abandonment wound, with someone who's kind of the leaving pattern or what you're talking about, that subtler version of the trash in the living room where you can be in the room and be completely disengaged. I can see how that would heighten in the person that's feel who needs that connection or had some abandonment wound from that, where that's stirring up maybe even a lot of times unconsciously. So we identify those things first before we go deeper because it's vulnerable going deeper. You need to feel safe. And then, so there's also boundaries and bottom lines that are like, we talk about trash in the living room. And when people are throwing this trash in the living room, which is, we say that because the living room is your relationship. It's your, your the living room, the house of your relationship. And if you keep putting garbage in it, it becomes, un, you can't live there anymore. It's uninhabitable. And so it's helpful to us to be able to nurture and nourish our partner in a way that's going to help bring clarity to what's actually happening. We talk about the psychic conversation that's happening and the unspoken agreements that we're making with each other. And when we can get clear about what's the psychic conversation, like for example, when we worked with a couple and one woman was, she did the merging pattern so she she needed connection and he did the enduring pattern and did the aggressive pattern and he needed space and his need for space created her need for connection and then they would create she would become passive aggressive and mean and then he would disconnect more and then so this was the dance that they were doing and so the trash in the living room that they were having is taking jabs at each other they were jabbing and jabbing and jabbing and so that was making a mess and having the understanding around what it was that was actually happening and being able to meet the moment and give that peace offering of like, oh, I'm experiencing a lot of anxiety right now because I'm having a memory of what it was like of needing nourishment and, and then somebody not being there. And so it's like, oh, it's not that's the peace offering that can be made to soften the edges and then meet each other, you know? 
one person has to do it. It's not all, you know, it's like somebody has to like have the, the feeling and the understanding and the vision to be able to do that in the moment when people are triggered. Well, it's really interesting because you're really talking about deeply slowing down and people really presencing with what's going on and having a deep understanding of themselves. It's like really deep work. By starting with the trash in the living room and then we make agreements where it's like, okay, the thing that makes people scared to open up is okay if you criticize me then it makes it so i can't even open up i close down it's like a our heart isn't under our control it's like a flower that's blooming when the sun comes out and so when we're putting trash in the living room it causes us to close down and so make agreements which are sort of a boundaries for a couple in a healthy way are actually agreements where both people are enforcing it together so it's not like oh i've got a boundary now you've got to do what i'm saying it's like we both agreed that that is something that hurts us so when you criticize me i know that that's a defense for you but we're making agreement that we're gonna not do that and and we're gonna get to the heart of what we're feeling uh, as best as we can. And it's a process and you help each other stay accountable. But just by making agreements around the, the behaviors that create trash and living, you can deepen. And that's teamwork too, of like, oh, we make this agreement. We can support each other in enforcing whatever it is that we agree on what we could do. You need to make me a tea. You need to do this. You make me dinner one night. You know, it's just like something that you're in on it together that's actually nourishing and it's not like a punishment, you know, but something that is helpful. But there are certain bottom lines, you know, that are discussed as a couple too of like you can't, when you leave without calling or saying anything, like that really create, like Roger was talking about scar tissue earlier, like that's creates scar tissue and it's harder, it gets harder because there's, it's, it's really in, in, it's impinging on trust, you know, and so these things accumulate. And when we can agree, okay, after we hit this a certain amount of times, then something else needs to happen, you know, and what is that? And that's something for the both of you to discuss together. But when you're both equally as committed to the relationship, I mean, that's important, you know. You need two people to want to do this work because it takes two to kind of hold the space for the other and also to be held in the space for some of that almost reparenting memory. Is is there memory reconsolidation or is it more just reparenting? Well, it's it's like reconsolidation and reparenting at the same time because when we can, like when Roger and I were talking about how holding space for each other, people have this impulse sometimes like, oh, it's not sexy to do that, you know, or they feel... Am I feeding something with my partner? It's like, well, it might feel like that in the beginning, but it's actually when you do it consciously and you create what we call those containers to actually explore that, then it becomes sexy, you know? But there is oftentimes, oh, I don't know, is that, is am I feeding a hungry ghost or something? Like, what is it? But yeah, so it has to be conscious. And I can imagine in the process, just like any process, even doing individual work, when you start to reclaim those parts or rewire the wiring of those wounds, each person starts to feel a deeper sense of wholeness and being able to show up from a completely different place than the defensiveness, the desire to leave, all of it. And one thing, just speaking on sexiness and these kind of things, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> is... 
it's amazing to realize that the patterns run our life force. So they run all aspects of our, our core projector and the root chakra is there and the belly chakra, these are both encoded. And so our sexuality is conditioned by our core patterns. And so when we're healing these patterns, we're actually healing our sexual patterns. And as couples, we support couples in understanding that and understanding that the way their sexuality is manifesting together is directly corresponding with their safety and the, the way these patterns manifest. And so that gives people like a light at the end of the tunnel as well in terms of just intimate connection in general, because there's so many new ways to understand what allows us to open up and what causes us to close down. That makes total sense that it's connected. And it's it's profound. It's a profound advance in relationship work and in sort of sexual healing work to have these patterns in people's toolkits, in relationships, in therapist toolkits, in in the psychedelic community, which also the core patterns are coming up. This is this retooling about around this work is so essential. So we, we jumped around a little bit, but just to recap where we are a little, we learned about avoiding destructive patterns through trash in the living room. We learned about those defenses. We learned about boundaries and bottom lines. It, being, it has to be a two-way street. Like if somebody's not willing to actually show up for the show, you know, then there's a boundary and a bottom line that needs to happen also, and that's a discussion, or sometimes not, depending Right, where the relationship is. Well, as far as like abuse and things like this. And then we discover our core pattern. And so we are both able to really understand our three sauces and how they inform one another. Then we understand how we feel it in our body and are able to communicate on behalf of the pattern. So it's like I'm experiencing a lot of anger. Sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and I'm just like, oh, I'm so angry. And Roger's like... <laughs> And I know exactly what it's about, and it makes me feel safe, and I feel like a successful partner because <laughs> I have a awareness over it, can hold space for it. Yeah, and it's like nothing needs to happen, but we're just speaking on behalf of the little voices that are inside of us that have been suppressed, that didn't have reflections, weren't reflected. Oh, you're angry because this, or you're just feeling angry because, you know, maybe so and so has this, and you, or maybe what are you angry about? It's like reconsolidating our own experience just by saying these things out loud and then having experience with our partner that nothing needs to happen. Just being seen and witnessed. Exactly. So feeling it in our body, tracking it in our body. Can I just say about feeling it in the body is that this is the step that we spend a good amount of time with couples to help them with this um, because, and, and it takes time to really track these things in our body because they just happen and you're in it. And it's easy to learn about it intellectually, but taking it to the body level is when this becomes rubber meets the road, change your life, change your work life, change everything. So finding it in the body is, is yeah, a key step. Yeah. And we create circumstances, a lot of experientials in our work with people where they really find those things and have this whole new level of safety and being seen. That's amazing. And then how to hold presence for one another and being able to contact your partner or acknowledge their experience or note what it is that they're experiencing, being curious, being... And this is the reconsolidation in some ways. Yes. Exactly. So it's like the reconsolidation for ourselves and our reconsolidation in relationship. 
And then the next one is, well, just a tag, explorative containers are things when we talked about before, bringing things into consciousness of like doing experiments consciously where we're interacting with the child of our partner, but we're doing it in a way that's actually conscious instead of unconscious where it gets muddled and weird and people get resentful. So the next is uh, responsive communication skills. Just responsive communication skills, a new set of skill sets for the present moment. Because a lot of times we're talking from our heads and being able to talk about what's alive in the body right now and being able to contact for the other person what's alive in the body right now. There's a whole set of skills around that that soothe our histories, that make the parts of us that feel unheard, unseen, unconnected with. One of them is, for example, it sounds simple, but it's acknowledging. When somebody is saying something and they're talking about their how angry they got when this happened, and you can say, well, it's, it makes sense that you would feel really angry right now because of that experience and this thing. And that's an acknowledgement of their the reality that they're experiencing right now. It doesn't mean that what they're saying, that it needs to be the truth of the moment. But what it does mean is that you're acknowledging that it's real for them. So that puts people at ease. And these are these kind of skills, like the responsive communication skills, are not something that we've been given in our... No. Uh, <laughs> you know? Look at the world. I mean, everybody needs this, honestly. Just individuals and then as couples and then as families. Workplaces, yeah. So can you give an example of how you might present what's going on in your body just as far as that kind of communication style? Because I think for people that haven't heard it, it's so new. So we would make an agreement, especially in the beginning, like we become fluid in this later, you know, but when we're first just kind of exploring it and learning about the patterns and learning about how to be, communicate on behalf of the younger parts or just of sensory experience, we would just drop in, like we like to call in rainbow bridge, we'd have a drop in and we just attune to our experience and then we can look for like for example like when I tune into my heart I can feel this kind of swirling energy right now like that's like when there's a sensation there's an emotion connected to it and you can start to become fluid and what's the emotion that's connected to the sensation that I'm experiencing so there's that I can feel a tightness in my throat and up Underneath my ears, it feels tight. And I can sense that there's like a little bit of fear there. And then so it can, it goes deep. So then from there, you can go into it. If that were a portal to the past, you know, what, what would that be? Or if that feeling, that sensation had words, what might it say? You know, things like that. You can get explorative about interacting with these things as if they're their own person, these sensations. It's almost like doing parts work together. Yeah, and you, you, that's what we like. Kind of the explorative containers are like the training wheels for being able to slow things down enough that you have time to be curious and you're not in this like back and forth energy. And you really have time to lean in, be present, and practice presence, practice postponing your reaction, and listening to what's happening for the other person. And that's like a, it can be a revelation. You know, we, we had couples in our course that had been together for 18 years and had never really heard each other's deeper 
childhood experience of why they felt the way that they were feeling in a conflict. So they lean in and in the explorative container, they can be like, you know, I had money concerns and we were arguing about money because growing up, my parents were always having issues with money and it's, and all of a sudden something that could be such a rocky terrain for the couple for months on end can become understandable and it's not about them it's about histories and they were able you know one this is one couple was able to resolve some of those kind of reflections that kept coming at each other around a money issue it's so powerful one of the differences too is that that we we in the couples work we do a monologue where it's like you're not really contacting in in time like you let you give the person seven minutes or however long fifteen minutes whatever it is to just talk, and then the other person is is just holding space and is really full body being with their partner, and then at the end of those that time then they'll give some reflections of like, oh, that, you know, I noticed there was some sadness that came up for you there, or maybe that, you know, there was something really interesting when you discovered that portal and then what it brought you to, that was really touching to me, you know, and this is what was touching about it, you know, things like that. So when is your next couple's program starting? Well, we're we're debating all of uh, the details on that, but we'll have to have to keep you updated, basically, because a few a few logistics have been moving around right now. We do plan to do like a like a masterclass or like a like one of these intro kind of experiences beforehand, so people will know about it if they sign up for our emails. They'll get an invite to that, and then there'll be more information on when we'll be doing that offering again. It's pretty wild. Like you've really broken down, you've really created the very system for healthy, beautiful, connective relationships. Because without this work, again, all we're seeing really is those child patterns being projected out and we're all reliving them. And then we're having families and projecting them onto future generations. So it really is deep generational work that you're also doing besides the couple work. And families, like, a, you know, a lot of the couples that we worked with in, in our last retreat had, had kids and their relationship with their kids is changing too, you know, so. So is there anything else about what you wanted to share that got left out at all? One of the things we were thinking of sharing was that sort of an eighth step, these are the seven steps, but we've been really feeling an eighth step that is around because for so many of us who are in the deep medicine work or people who are interested in medicine work and you see your pattern again and again, and you're wondering, how do I really truly deeply get out of this? And part of that is that we need to uncover our soul blueprint and we need to know how to be our unique self. We're imitating others and we're imitating different ways of doing things and yet they're inside of each one of us is a unique way of moving that's coming from our soul and from our higher self and from the one creator all the way back to the tree of the essence of who we are and so the a part of this journey of getting out of these groundhog day repeating loops is to embody our unique blueprint i think that's 
It's so essential, honestly. Like that's where it starts, really. Like in a way, like it's what we're here to do, and then do it in relationship. So, how do you help someone kind of go into the metaverse of themselves and get that that soul blueprint that they want to bring into the world and bring into a relationship? How do you help people with that? Is that through medicine work? So it's we're uncovering what is our unique soul blueprint because. Codependency is also just the fear of being ourselves. So when couples are dealing with codependency, well, part of it is we don't know who our, what our real position is. Where do we stand on a soul level? What's our purpose here? What's our deeper purpose for being here? Why do we come? And uh, that helps us to stand in right relationship with others. And so medicine work can be one avenue. Seeing the divine in our partner and really starting to practice seeing all the layers of their soul and essence and honoring them. And this process of like tuning into the uh, younger parts and these timelines helps us get out of that linear way of treating people like a part, just a piece of furniture in our life. We're starting to now relate with them on deeper layers of their emotional body, which is helping us. There's many timelines all happening now. Like there's, younger Roger, younger Michaela, younger Antonia here. There's all these, and all these like uh, concentric rings of on a tree are all here right now. And so when we're starting to honor that, we're getting into a more multidimensional experience of ourselves where it's now helping us get in touch with the vibrational. Yeah, and the multiplicities of self. Like early on in our relationship, Roger's like, Who's your psych? Show me your psycho. Like, who's the psycho inside of you? You know, and I was like, nobody ever asked me that question before. And it was, it was like really endearing too, because it was an invitation for me to really explore <laughs> what that, what that is, and it be allowed, you know, to be seen. And all the parts are allowed. And did that last piece? Are you even looking at karmic ties and yeah, all the generational lineage traumas and gifts. Mm -hmm. And also, um, you know, learning to read the signs and listen for cues and to clear space in your life to hear the whispers of your deepest guidance. And medicine can help with that, to take time to really be listening for your guidance. And because there's parts of us that are really deep, this that go back to the other dimensions that we're also in, that are trying to give us guidance and that's how come signs and all these beautiful things are coming into our life is to help guide us by having some time to be able to you know antonia before starting rainbow bridges she did a vision quest and a ayahuasca journey and both of those were formative in how to bring this massive soul blueprint through for me also similar similar things with my films and uh, and, and this work that we're doing listening for those whispers from our deepest guidance and taking time for that. Well, I think even just that first piece of what you're talking about is connecting to that part of you that is your soul. Like being able to even like notice the thoughts but not be so entrenched in the stories. It's complicated in a way because there's this soul self that's always there and it's deeply connected and it's one with everything. And then there's the thoughts. And yet to get to that deeper kind of soul place where you can really land and stay in the intuition longer, 
you have to be in the thoughts in some way to know what they are, to heal them, to go into the child parts. And then it seems like they quiet a little bit. Not that you're not always working with them, but it does seem like there's, it's like a circle almost of this, this work. Does that seem, does that seem true? Very true. Yeah. That resonates a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And taking that, and that's the, the patterns are the biggest obscuring factor for us to hear these deeper voices. Yeah. There was something that Aubrey Marcus had said about medicine work the other day that was like, Oh my God. Yes. When he mentioned, he was like, when he was in, he did a, a podcast with Matthias Stefano, and he was talking about their, they were talking about their medicine journeys and it was related to what Matthias was saying of these feelings of doubt that we have sometimes that medicine will come in and push on that. And if we don't have this awareness of our pattern, then somebody could believe that and then take a different course, you know, and all paths lead to Rome, yes, but it would be a more additional unnecessary suffering. You know, so having these core blueprints of understanding the patterns, I think, I mean, are some of the golden keys to life. They really are. Like, I don't really know what other work right now in the world. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of work to be done, obviously, in this world. But relationally, to me, you have like really laid out an incredible way, <laughs> like the way first getting to the patterns, really seeing where they come from, the early conditioning, and even prior to Maybe it's even a mother and a grandparent's conditioning. And like you said, the multi-dimension of what's going on and then presencing them, having someone to work with them with it, you know, in relationship, a new way of communicating totally, and then finding like new agreements and then getting really into what is the soul's mission. Pretty exciting stuff. Oh my gosh. You're creating big change. We're just excited for this to spread, honestly, and to become more commonplace so that people can get out of some of the loops that happen. And we've all been in them and we've all been bumping our heads into the, in the dark. And I think this is the time for these kind of things to start cropping up more and more. Definitely. Thank you for, for you know, even putting the frame around it and the language around it because in some ways it's new, in some ways it's old, but you know, it's um, this, this way that you're working is emergent. And I think it's so important. I can see some of my patterns. They're still there. I have some still, still working on some. <laughs> well, we're, we're always seeing them, but the thing is to be able to accept them and be holding it in a bigger space. And it's like, we're learning as we're going. And it's like the commitment, the commitment that we have to staying open to what it is that we don't know and being in that prayer of like, what, what don't I see right now? And I think also like not having carrying shame for a pattern, like you said, like these, we all have these and just noticing like, oh, there it is again. There's some wounding still unseen or, you know, I need to still go into that and so that's an amazing piece too, is to, to love all the parts. Well, thank you so much for such an amazing uh, conversation. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Michaela. It's such a, such an honor and a, and a pleasure to, to be here with you. Truly.
I think this is a time of integration and I'm so grateful for what you're doing in terms of just integrating, you know, being a mother and holding, you know, holding this, um, this work and this sharing this message and, uh, but, but being able to, even in the name of psychedelic mom, you know, it's like the, this is integrating so much of the daily realities with all these different layers that we have, we're learning how to hold right now. And it's, I think, uh, we're in unique times right now where because of so much converging and this global community is fully interacting every second of every day. Um, and it's a time where this kind of integration is essential and we need psychedelic moms and we need couple psychedelic couples and we need couples who are meeting in the multidimensional and honoring all the different parts and timelines psychedelic families and knowing how to do this work. Yeah, we really do. That's beautiful. It's a, it's a beautiful time to be alive and to be sharing in this, this purpose, this mission together. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for what you taught me, honestly, because now one of the things that I do know as a psychedelic mom, like, you know, there are moments where I really don't handle it well, <laughs> like the other day. And then there are real moments where I'm asking like, my daughter, another daughter came home this weekend. Um, she had a breakup and she was really wanting to be held and to just be in that space of asking, what do you need? How can I support you in the best ways that you need? And a lot of how I parent now comes out of this deep work, you know, and noticing even with a child where like, I, I see a part come on and I'll see like that it has nothing to do with what's right here. And it's so old. And um, sometimes I can say, I can have that conversation. Like what's that, what's really under this? Cause I'm open to anything. I'm open to repair. I'm open to doing this work with you. Let's have a real conversation about what's underneath because what's happening here <laughs> is just the trash in the living room. I'm going to use that word. <laughs> And I appreciate that about you so much, Michaela. It's like that willingness because, you know, a, a lot of people and people, clients and things, it's like I even had a woman today who was feeling guilty of some of the pain that her daughter was experiencing because of things she didn't know, you know, and now she's just learning but doesn't know because she's her daughter's 10, so she doesn't know how to quite meet her. But the capacity to be able to be like, at any moment, it's a new moment, and for you to be open to what that is, it's like the part of us that has been longing for that experience, you know? And so I appreciate you being an example of that and being able to bring that in a good way. Yes, I'm definitely open to all this work. And I think that's, that's it and willing to do it and willing to learn more. I think that's whether it's as a couple or as a mother with my kids, you know. If uh, a couple wanted to do your couple's work or any of the other programs that you have, I'd love to share that with people. Yeah, people can check out uh, wheeloflife.us. And um, we have all of our, that's our shared work. Um, and then uh, Roger has his private practice at rogervenuro.com. And mine is illuminateyourtruth.com with all of my work. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Michaela. 
you enjoyed today's show and want to help build a more beautiful, conscious, and loving world, please share this content with friends, family, and colleagues. You can follow this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you use. And I'd really appreciate you taking the time to write a review so that others can find these amazing conversations. And if you'd like to see a video version of the show, you can find me on YouTube. Feel free to reach out and connect with me at thepsychedelicmom.com or message me on Instagram at thepsychedelicmom. And remember, you are the medicine. <laughs>